0: Welcome to the Roxborough Church podcast. For more resources and information, visit roxboroughchurch.org. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. God is good, all the time. and all the time. God is good. I am so reminded of that today. I hope you are as well. I don't know about uh, the experience for you, but I know the experience for a few of us here in the sanctuary. And, uh, man, that time of worship was just, it was, it was sweet, and it, it felt good to my soul. So I thank you, thank you uh, to the worship team for, for leading us in the time, but really thank you to God for inviting us into a sweet time of worship where we could just cry out about the goodness of God. Um, if you are uh, watching us live, then we'd encourage you to just go ahead and Hit that chat feature down there and just let everybody know you're chatting with us. Say hello, tell everybody uh, where you're at and kind of the space that you're in right now. Um, and if you're watching this later on, go ahead and, and, and uh, subscribe and kind of follow along with what's going on. But also send us a message. Let us know how the Lord used this time of worship and this uh, this morning's word to uh, enhance your walk with him and to uh, to speak gospel truth to you. We are in, uh, I don't what week are we in, Pastor Charlie? What week is this in the sermon series? The this is week three of our sermon series on, uh, uh, from Galatians, and today we're going to be talking about uh, being children of God, and so children of grace, children of grace. And so I hope that you have been following along, but even if you haven't, I want to encourage you to go ahead at some point and, uh, and check back to the other messages. matter of fact, don't just check back to the other Sunday messages. But go over on Wissahickon side and check out their Saturday night messages as well. I know last night's message from Pastor Charlie really encouraged my heart. And so I hope that you can uh, follow along as we try to provide a service of worship on Saturday night through Wissahickon, on Sunday mornings through Roxborough. A couple of really quick things before we get into the Word. You'll see the stack of books that I have here. We want to encourage you. This is the last week to sign up for one of our new small groups that are happening. And so you can go to our website, rocksboroughchurch.org backslash small-groups, and you can check out all of the books that you can sign up for. But specifically, I want to tell you to check out our splash page. It's going to be up later today. You can check out the splash page on our website, and you'll see that you can sign up to scribe with us. You might be thinking, what does it mean to scribe with us? Well, it means that you're going to get a small book like this, one of your choice. It doesn't matter what it looks like. You can get one of those composition notebooks that the kids use at school. You can get anything you want that you can write in, and you're just going to want to make sure you got some good blank pages in it, as uh, as you can see here. Just got some good blank pages in it, and then uh, you're going to let us know that you want to be uh, be a part of the scribing group. And the scribing group will get an email in their in. I'm trouble hearing you. Siri did not hear me. Um, the the uh, the scribing group will get an email in their inbox tomorrow morning tomorrow morning and it'll let you know what to begin to write we're gonna be writing the gospel of John together and then it'll also prompt you throughout the week to maybe send a picture and to let us know what you're what you know as you've been journaling how that's been going or and, uh, and and we'll kind of progress report together it's just really a time for us to get acquainted with the Word of God in a deeper way and one of the ways that we can do that is just by the practice of both reading and then rewriting the Word of God together and so I hope that you would join me in this process as we write the Gospel of John between now and Easter Sunday, super excited about that. As Claire prayed, um, my prayer echoes that, that the words that come forth would be from the Father and the ones that are from me will be quickly forgotten. But if you have your Bibles, turn with me to his word in Galatians chapter 3. This week you probably found yourselves in front of a TV screen at some point and. You probably uh, tuned in to things that were happening around our nation, including the inauguration. And if you didn't, uh, I just want to point you back to one small part of it. I think it is uh, something that we can all agree. If you haven't seen it, you will agree after you see it, I imagine. Um, there is one young lady who stole the show. The entire inauguration was, was, a, was a tremendous event. Uh, regardless of, of political alignments, it just it spoke to something that we can all be excited about. But there was one young lady who went out there on center stage and began to uh, influence the nation and maybe the world through words that had rhythm and rhyme to them. And uh, if you haven't seen that, I want to encourage you go back. Her name is Amanda Gorman. Go back and just Google her and check out the piece that she did um, as it speaks to kind of the, the, the current climate and culture that we find ourselves in today but it speaks to a place of great hope for what is yet to come. And uh, the reason why I share that, one, is that I was very encouraged by that, but then two, I also just want to say that I think this is in part what the Word of God does. The Word of God speaks to a time and a culture in which it was written, and yet it speaks to a great hope that we still live in today. And so Paul, writing to the early church in Galatia, says these words in chapter three in the 23rd verse. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. As Paul begins to speak, he uh, he is encouraging the church to both uh, hear the um, the theological density density. What is that word? Density with which he is speaking it's it's there's a lot packed in there and so I'm gonna try to pull a little bit out for you in in that very first verse we were reading it says um, he he says that we're uh, that that we were held in custody under the law If you don't know what that means what he's saying he says uh, friends we were found guilty we were guilty because we had an inability to live unto the law we had an inability to uh, to fulfill the the requirements of the law now We understand if you followed along with Pastor Charlie, you you would have heard him give an illustration last night about the law kind of being guardrails for you to to kind of keep you back in play. And and he talked about them being, uh, you know, he compared it to being a, a bumpers when bowling. And by the way, Pastor Charlie, I don't use bumpers when I bowl. I'm going to just leave that right there. And so we talk about it being bumpers with bowling, and it kind of bounces the ball back and forth to keep it in play. And I think that those illustrations are really, really good, but I also want us to understand there was a sense of the law being oppressive, being heavy, not oppressive as in um, meaning to damn you, but the weight of it because of our inability to overcome the law, to, 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 to live up to the law in, our, in, in itself. And so we were found guilty, and we were locked up, until the faith that was to come by the way the faith that was to come watch this jesus let's try it together the faith that was to come jesus Jesus, right so it was it was until jesus would be revealed so the law was our guardian until christ guardian meaning he had he had ownership of us until christ came that we might be justified by faith justified by faith. Now if you're not sure what that means, let me help us make sense. Justified by faith mean when was the last time you uh, had a discussion with somebody you cared deeply about and you were thinking we should go to the right and they were thinking we should go to the left. You guys ever remember having one of those moments? It, you know, maybe you call that a conflict, maybe it's a argument, maybe it's a disagreement maybe it's just casual conversation you can dress it however you want but you had a moment where you were like one of us is right and one of us is wrong inevitably you find out which person is right and which person is wrong and usually i'll let you guys figure out who that is and so as that as that unfolds watch this watch this one person is found to be guilty to be in the wrong And one person is found to be right. So this idea of being justified means even though we were wrong, we were made to be right. Even though we were in the wrong, we were made to be in the right. How does that happen? Well, Paul says it happens through faith. It doesn't happen by getting everything right all the time. It happens by faith, by believing in the one who was right. That is? Come on, y'all. Come on. I want you to say it loud enough. The people at home understand they're supposed to do it too. That was? Jesus. Jesus, right? So believing in Jesus and the work of Jesus has made us right. It has justified us. It has put us in right standing even though on our own we were wrong. We were guilty. We were under the law. Maybe another way to say that is, because of our faith in Jesus, we are now free. We're free. Think of all that that word means when you say that we are now free. I'm no longer condemned. I'm no longer held back. I'm no longer bound up. I'm no longer tied. I am free. Free. Maybe I'd ask you this question because... I'm going to keep preaching, but you might need to hang right there at that spot. Are you free? Like, are you unbound? Are the chains broken that, that tied you? Is the, has the identity been, uh, been shifted from who you once were to, to who you are now? I'm getting ahead of myself, but are you free? If you're sitting there today and you're saying, well, Pastor Ray, like, I'm here, but I might not be free. I want to say to you hear the words of paul he says by faith in jesus you were made free there's only one reason that you're not free it's an absence of full faith in jesus a trust in jesus an embodiment in the work of christ in your life morning i got three points for us i'm gonna get moving with these and the first one is this it says we are justified that's what i've just been talking about we are justified by faith in christ we are justified by faith in christ if you've got something to write with go ahead and write these points down because we're about to flip through a bunch of scriptures david are you ready for us david in the back you ready for us Okay, that was a yes. You didn't hear it, but I heard it. We're going to be a bunch of scriptures that jump up here, and I hope you can follow along. Here it goes. The first one I want to point us to, when we want to understand what does it mean to be justified by faith in Jesus. If you have your Bibles, go with me so I'm not there alone. John chapter 3, verse 16. Even if you remember it in the version you were taught when you were itty-bitty, we're not there. We're in the NIV version today, and we are in John chapter 3, verse 16. If you got your Bible, get there with me really quickly. This is what it says. If you don't have a Bible and you're following along, just write these references down so you can check them out later. John chapter 3, verse 16. This is what the word says. says. for God so loved the world. Let me say that again. For God so loved the world. That's all people. For God so loved everyone that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life, have life forever. God so loved Every one of us that he gave his son that no one would have to die but would be invited in to have eternal life. To have eternal life. We talked about being free. This, This ties right to it. The way in which freedom comes, comes through what Jesus Christ did as an act of love from God. As an act of love from God. By the way, let me just say it to you. You might not know this right now or you might not feel this right now. Or your life might not be saying that you've experienced this right now. God loves you he loves you he said it in scripture he loves you he displayed it through the sacrifice of his son he loves you he 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 confirmed it through the resurrection from the dead He he loves you he loves you he loves you he loves you and his love for you is what justifies us before him His love for you, his act of love on display for you is what brings us into right standing with God. John 3, 16. If you're still in your Bible, go over to Romans, Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, starting in the 16th verse. Now, I said I got four or five verses we're going to look at today. So Romans 1 in the 16th verse, this is what it says. Paul says, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power. It is the what? It is the power of God that brings salvation. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power, the power of God that does what? That brings salvation. To who? To everyone who believes. To everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is By faith from first to last, just as the word was written, the righteous will live by faith. We are made right with Christ, we are justified by faith, and then we live forward our lives in faith. Right? He says. He says that it is the the, the gospel, uh, he's not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power. It it is all the authority of God that brings about salvation to every one of us who would trust him. He says this later in in chapter 3, verse 22. He says, the righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between the Jews and the Gentiles. He, he, look, the, the argument here is quite simple. If we place our trust in Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter who we once were. Come on, somebody. It doesn't matter how much I've been through. It doesn't matter how, long, how dirty my road was behind me. It, does, it doesn't matter how much baggage I brought with me. If I placed my trust in Jesus Christ, the work on the cross can forgive the sinner and the saint. Come on, somebody. You got to understand that, right? Right? You know, look, 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 I know Claire was standing up here before me, right? And you looked at Claire and you were like, oh, Claire, she's you know, she, a nice young lady. You know, like, seems like she has her life in order, right? Like, and then I stood up after her and you were like, he didn't tuck his shirt in. And, uh, you know, like, I, I, I get it, I get it, right? It doesn't matter how much baggage I bring with me. It doesn't matter how little baggage she brings with her. The work of Christ is enough to cover both, right? The reality of the sinner and the saint is made righteous before God by the work of Christ. It does not matter the past that I bring. It matters whether I place my trust in Jesus Christ. Now, look, if I place my trust in Jesus Christ, if I place my faith in Jesus Christ, if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, There are things about your old ways that will begin to shed. They'll they'll begin to pass away because the reality is as we trust in God, we embody the work of God in our life. We, We allow God to do a great work in us, and we begin to live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. That's what it said. All right, stay there with me. Go to Philippians chapter 3. Let's see what he says to another church. Paul says this in Philippians chapter 3. I'm in the ninth verse. He says, um, and we will be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. That we are found in Christ, not having our own righteousness under the law. We talked about this you know in, in Galatians, right? That we we're not under the law anymore, but but that we but but that which through faith in Jesus, the righteousness now comes from God on the basis of faith. Jesus' half brother said this in uh, James chapter two, verse twenty four. You see, a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. You see that a person is now considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. You say to yourself, Well, Pastor, Ray, I thought I thought it was just through our faith that we're made righteous before God. It is. But I want to understand some. I want you to understand something. When the gospel writers and the Bible writers were talking about living by faith, true faith in Christ—that is a faith that transforms how we live. That's not a faith that's just practiced by what we think when we're saying our prayers at night. I was out, I was hanging out with my boy the other day, and we were talking about our, our, our evening routines with our kids and how we put our kids to bed. And I was, you know, he 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 was saying how you know like they they do a family prayer and. They read a couple books and, and, and really, really great things. And I, and I, was, I was inspired as a father to, to want to do better. So Isaiah and Nate bedtime is going to be longer from now on. We're going to read, we're going to read the entire Bible every day. No, just kidding. Just kidding. But, but like, like inspired by the way he was going through all these practices. And I, and I was thinking, man, like faith is so simple to a kid, right? Like it's just simply, I, I trust you, Jesus. But the reason why it's so simple is because when a kid says, I trust you, Jesus, they don't hold back who they are and what how they're gonna live right I trust you Jesus I'm stepping into this I trust you Jesus so James when he was writing he was saying he was kinda differentiating. He is was, he, he was helping us to understand that some of us are saying we trust you Jesus I put my faith in you Jesus but we're not allowing our life to change at all He says so that that's not really faith yeah. right that's just like hey you know I heard that and that sounded good right that's like a meme but that's not real life right like so true faith in Christ means my life will shape and look different things will shift the reality of who God is will begin to be at work in my life and that that true faith in Christ is what brings around justification let me wrap this section up by saying this Paul says in in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 which we're studying on we're not studying this we already studied this forget that last part Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 this is what it says "says for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves it is a gift of God it's not by works so that no one can boast you see the the understanding between what Paul is saying and what James is saying is that these two things need to come together if we just do all the works that, of, of righteousness but we don't actually believe in the one who enables us to do those things we've missed it we just we've lived a really good life and, and and maybe saintly life but we've missed the chance to be justified by Christ and therefore we still live under the condemnation of the law but if we if we put all of our belief in Jesus but we don't actually trust him to shift our life We don't actually allow God to be at work in our life. Then we've also missed the opportunity to be justified by Christ. We've missed the opportunity to allow God to fully have our life. And therefore, we have not received the gift for which Jesus came to give us by the gift of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes, that word belief, means to actually believe in our mind and to put the practice in our life, right? Those two things came together. That whoever would believe in Him would fully trust in Him would place their faith in Him. That's that's why Christ came. So the first thing we're saying this morning is that um, that we are justified by Christ. Now that was that was the intro. Here we go. I hope you're ready. The second thing we're trying to say is this: we have a new. Now watch this. We have a new, higher identity. We have a new higher identity that's now the we in that is if we have said yes to Jesus if we fully said Jesus I trust you I'm all in and where you're going I believe upon you for this life and anything after it Jesus I am fully yielding surrendering to the authority of who you are when that moment occurs and therefore every moment after we have a new identity we have a new identity Paul says it this way, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. He says, as for you, you were dead. Say that word with me. You were, come on, y'all, come on, say it loud enough that the soundboard guy hears me. As for you, you were dead. You were dead in your transgressions and your sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world. I'm in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2 now. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are still disobedient. For we are, now, now he says this later on in verse 10, he says, we are actually God's handiwork. Do this with me, do this. I want you to remember this. Come on, everybody, do this. Young people, do this, do this, do this do this. If you're at home, I know you're trying to message and chat while doing this too. I want you to do it on the screen, right? Like somehow I want you to remember this. We are God's handiwork. When you hear that, I just want you to picture this. We're like, we're like clay in the hands of God, right? We're being shaped and molded. Jeremiah says, we're the clay on the potter's wheel. We're being shaped and molded. We are God's handiwork. God crafted this we are created in jesus christ for a purpose to do good works which god himself prepared in advance for us to go and do this is what paul said he says hey church as you place your faith in jesus christ you're no longer dead in the ways of old but now you are the handiwork of god you've been made new and you now have a purpose say that word you have a purpose you have a purpose and that purpose is that you would go out in the world and do the right thing to do the right thing and by the way God has already aligned your steps to be able to do it I love when somebody comes into my office and they say hey Pastor Ray I just don't know what I'm meant to do I'm like Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 you You're just meant to do the right thing in every situation It doesn't matter if you're a bus driver, a school teacher, a stay-at-home mom, or a doctor downtown. You're just meant to do the right thing. Whatever the next step in front of you is that is right before God, you step into it. Whatever the next step in front of you is that is not right before God, you recognize that's not of God, and you step away from it. You are meant to do the right thing. You are the handiwork of God. You are God's craftsmanship. Every time you do the right thing in the world around you, you know who gets the glory? He does. He does, every time you and I step forward and do what is right in the eyes of God, the world sees a little bit more of who God is. So it doesn't matter if I'm young and I'm in the classroom or if I'm older and I'm in a home where I'm living with other folks, the reality is if I do the right thing, if I say yes to God in that moment, He is glorified. And by the way, I can do it because He's already aligned my steps. He set the appointment. If you, know, if you know some things about me, one of the things you probably know is that, that I live by appointments. Like I'm just like boom, boom, boom. I don't, I'm not talking about supernatural appointments. I'm just like, if it's not on my calendar, it probably doesn't get done, right? Like it's just, that's, that's how I operate. Like on my calendar, it says like, go for a walk because you've been sitting at your desk too long. Like I planned it into my calendar, right? Like everything's on there, right? I live by appointments. But the reality is, Every one of us is called to live by heavenly appointments. That God has aligned the steps in front of us already. And we're to live on that appointment. And so today, God's going to set you up in some moment to be able to display the work of God before the world. Live on that appointment. Live on that appointment. Because what you say, well, Pastor Ray, why would I do this? It? Because this is who you are now. I'm going to help you understand it real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Paul says this to the church. He says, to the church of God in Corinth, to those who have been sanctified sanctified in Jesus Christ and are called to be his holy people you've been sanctified in Jesus and now you've been called to be his holy people therefore uh, together with all um, with all those everywhere who called on the name of the Lord Jesus by the way that's us we're the all those everywhere right we weren't in Corinth but we are people who have now been called by God to, uh, to, 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 to be his holy people right and so we're in that grouping right and he says uh therefore i lost my spot sorry sorry together with all the together with all those everywhere who call on the name of the lord jesus christ their lord and ours this is what he says grace and peace to you from god our father and from jesus himself paul writes to the church and he says hey by the way this is who you are now you are people who are called by the name of jesus called to be holy people, set apart from the world. And together, it's not just you, but it's everyone else who's been called as well. You say, well, Pastor Ray, what does it mean to have a new identity? Well, I'm gonna help you understand a couple of ways in which your identity is shaped going forward. These are things you're gonna wanna remember. Here you go, There's, five, I think there's five of them. Uh, the, yeah, there are five of them, right? So first, you are now, if, if, if you stand in relationship with Jesus Christ, watch this, you are a saint. Say that, you are a Saint, you're a saint. Now, like you, you might be, you might be, getting, you might be getting stumbled up real quick. Now, when Paul, when Paul says we're a saint, he's not saying you died and there's a statue of you out in the yard, right? That's, that's 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 a theological conversation for a different day. When Paul says you're a saint, it means you are set apart to live a holy life, saved by Christ, set apart to live a holy life. You are a saint. Not only are you a saint. You're blessed. You are blessed. You say, hey, Pastor Ray, it doesn't feel like I'm blessed. We're in the middle of a quarantine. I know. But the Word of God is, is what we use to interpret the quarantine we're in, not the other way around. And so, therefore, the Word of God says, No, you're blessed. No matter your circumstances, you're blessed. You are appreciated. We'll make sense of that in a second. You are appreciated. You are reconciled. And you are chosen or forgiven. Chosen or forgiven. Right? So I'll say them again. You're a saint. You're blessed. You're appreciated. You're reconciled. And you're chosen or forgiven. These are five characteristics of your new identity. Let me say it this way. Pastor Charlie, if you still look like the guy you did look like when you grew up on Haynes Street, then I don't actually believe that you're justified by faith. But... If the stories you've told me about the guy you were when you grew up on Hain Street are true, I can tell you something about you. You're justified by faith because you, you ain't that dude anymore. You ain't that dude anymore. You ain't that dude anymore. You told me, you told me when you grew up on Hain Street, you could dunk a basketball. You ain't that dude anymore. You ain't that dude anymore. I'm not going to say the other things you told me about when you grew up on history but but the reality is yes I have a story about who I once was, but the reason why it's a story about who I once was is because God has made me somebody else God has given me a new identity Paul says this in Colossians chapter one when he talks about being a saint he says um, that we are being strengthened with all the power according to his glorious might so that we may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has Qualified us to have been rest and has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. Mm. He has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the holy people in the kingdom of the light, and the dominion that we used to be tied to—the dominion of darkness—is no longer governing over us. That's Colossians chapter one, verses eleven through thirteen. Paul says that we've been qualified. To share in the inheritance of the holy people the kingdom of light the forever with God Romans chapter 8 and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God we've been set apart we've been made holy we've been made right we are now Saints because Christ has done a great work in our life. I hope you're following along. I'm going to run out of time, but here's what what the psalmist says in Psalm chapter 1. He says, blessed is the one who does not walk in in, in step with the wicked or stand in the way that the sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree that is planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in the season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do, indeed prospers. That sounds like a blessed life. That sounds like someone who is receiving from God as they sit in the place of being justified by faith. You're you're appreciated. Look, we don't say this enough. Mariella. I appreciate you. Claire, I appreciate you. Rick, I appreciate you. Mackenzie, I appreciate you. Right, You were appreciated. Forget about that you're appreciated by me. Look at what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 3. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. That we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Let me say it again. We see what great love the Father has lavished us, poured on us, bathed over us, given freely to us, that we should be called children of God. Look, look, how do I know that I'm appreciated by God? He loves me. 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 He doesn't say I love you when you're right. He doesn't say I love you when you're good. He doesn't say I love you when you preach enough. He doesn't say I love you when you sin less. He just said I love you. I love you. I love you enough to call you my own. That I would call you my own. That I would invite you in. And sometimes, I want to be honest about this, sometimes the reason why I don't think I'm loved is because the world doesn't seem to respond to the love that I have from God. And God said, no, 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 don't get this confused. I love you. And if you don't receive that love from the world as well, it's because they don't actually love me. It has nothing to do with you. Just live in the fact that I love you. You are appreciated by God. Look, we're going to run out of time. You have been reconciled. You have been reconciled. If you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you've been reconciled. Colossians chapter three, verse thirteen says, "Bear with one another, forgive one another. Anyone, anyone, forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. You've been reconciled. You've been." made right. Paul says it this way in 5:10 in Romans 5:10 he says if we for if while we were God's enemies we were reconciled to him through the death of his son how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus through whom we have now received reconciliation. God, you have called me unto your own. You've made me right and one with you. You've reconciled my place with the Father. How much more will I boast in you? Look, we're going to wrap up here. I want to say this. You are, First uh, John chapter 1, verse 9 says, if we confess our sins that God himself is faithful and he is just and he will forgive us our sins and he will cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. Here today, right now, if you trust in Jesus Christ, if you say, God, I'm a sinner and I blew it, God, I'm someone who hasn't fully trusted in you and I want to, if you confess that with your mouth, If you allow those words to utter off your tongue, God forgives you. He forgives you. Not only does he forgive you, he reconciles you. He gives you a new identity. You're a saint. You're blessed. You're reconciled. You're appreciated. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. And if you're forgiven, then I have one really, 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 really encouraging thing to tell you. The third point of today's message is that the kingdom is yours. The kingdom is yours. Romans chapter eight, verse 17 says, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Jesus. We share in his sufferings in order that we also may share in his glory. Friends, if you trusted in Jesus Christ, you're forgiven. And if you're forgiven, then you yourself inherit the kingdom. The kingdom is yours. In the passage that we read, that Claire read this morning, it ends with these words. God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the spirit of adoption, adoption to sonship. Because you are his, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy. I don't have enough time to to do this justice, but that phrase, Abba, Father, is the way in which a child who is in desperation would cry out help from the father picture a child stepping on a glass shard and the pain that shrieks through their body and the scream that comes out as tears fill their face daddy daddy that's the Abba father you're no longer a slave you're the child of God Now that you're a child, God's also made you an heir with the son. Friends, this morning, I hope you you can see, hear, and understand a little bit more about what it means to be a child of grace. I hope that this day, you're both encouraged and challenged to live into your new identity, to allow that identity to shape the way in which you'll go forward. And to begin to do what's right on all and all the appointments that God has already lined up for you. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. We pray it was life-giving. To find out more about us, visit our website at RoxboroughChurch.org and join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m.